0: American soccer fans, welcome to episode 91 of the Stars and Stripes FC podcast. Don Wine here, manager of Stars and Stripes FC, your source to all things U.S. national teams, the players that comprise them, and everything else surrounding the game of soccer in America. Last week was a pretty interesting week in the land of the United States men's national team. Obviously, we need to talk about and really sum up and kind of figure out what's next from the fallout from the Greg Burhalter versus the Reinas. I mean, there was a lot going on. We need to go through it all, and I know you guys have been talking about it all week. I know I've been talking about it all week with my friends and anyone else who casually watched soccer. They've all been involved in this madness, this kind of soap opera that has kind of unfolded over the last week or so. So we will start with the recap. Of everything that's happened. And there's a, a general timeline. And the issue with this timeline is, despite what has happened in the last week, you kind of have to go back to the World Cup. You have to go back to before the World Cup because that's kind of where this timeline starts. As we know, and, and again, this, you know, we either know this information or it's been confirmed by one of the parties or has been, you know, something that has been indicated in the media by several sources. So, We'll start before the World Cup. The team gets to Doha. And of course, Gio Rana is part of the team. Greg Berhalter is the coach. And at some point during the initial training camp before the World Cup, Greg informs Gio of his role at the World Cup and that his role at the World Cup would expect to be limited. Now, we don't know what limited means. And and we'll talk about some of the culpability for some of these people going on, but He was told that his role was going to be limited and Gio as a then almost 20 year old reacted poorly to that. He kind of sloughs off in training. He he gets lazy. He doesn't do the job that he's there to do in preparing for the world cup. That leads to a locker room situation. Um, Everyone talked it out. Whatever you wanted this whatever we want to believe, whether he was almost at home players standing up and and really expressing their disappointment and what he's doing. it was, Behind closed doors. And that was. Supposed to be the end of it. Now. We as fans did not know what was going on. When Gio did not appear in the game against Wales. The very first game. uh, The opener for the US men's national team at the World Cup. He benches him after the game. He says, hey, he picked up a knock. He's injured. uh, But we hope he'll be ready to go against England on Friday. But then Gio kind of says right after that to the media hey I was 100% I'm ready to go and I hope to play on Friday it was a coach's decision why I didn't play so that obviously got a lot of people talking about what the real deal was and and whether he was injured whether he was not whether it was a coach's decision whether it wasn't people kind of choosing sides Eric Ronaldo wearing weighing in on things and now at this point what we don't know is that Geo, whether it was before this uh Wales game or or during this Wales games after World game, we don't know when it started, but Claudia Reyna, his father, obviously a U.S. men's national team legend, he starts sending text messages and also contacting U.S. soccer federation leaders. And the rumor and the, the report according to ESPN was that he was threatening to reveal sensitive details about. Greg Burhalter that could take him down now we know that he was talking to Ernie Stewart and Brian McBride Ernie Stewart is the U.S. soccer sporting director Brian McBride is the U.S. men's national team general manager they obviously all of these guys are really good friends they all played together back in the day and Claudio apparently is texting and trying to talk to them about getting Gio more time at the World Cup now we don't know all this we at this point as fans this has not come out in the public as fans at this point this is what's going on behind the scenes so the u.s continues geo does appear against england he does appear in the second half of the round of 16 game versus the netherlands which is where the u.s exited the world cup that was on december 3rd now the u.s comes home from the world cup and greg berhalter i guess had already pre-scheduled a conference uh that he was going to attend and it was a leadership conference i don't know if he agreed to this after he got home from the world cup or before but either way he spoke at this leadership conference this leadership conference was supposed to be a uh, a conference where anything that was said was off the record and that wouldn't be displayed to the public he tells a story about he's asked a question about uh When leadership was used successfully in a team situation and he, without naming any names talks about at the world cup, that a player was almost sent home, that he wasn't performing up to expectations and he, you know, he wanted to send him home uh, or at least there was talk about him about sending that player home. The player then basically was told that he had to apologize to the team in order to be able to stay and the team one by one, according to the Halters, one by one stood up and said, hey, you're not performing up to our expectations, get it right, do better. And that it was settled by the players that he would be able to uh, continue. He apologized to the team. They all said their piece and he his effort picked up from there. And Greg was trying to use this as a example of something where leadership can be successful in in Turning around the quality of a teammate's effort. And the issue with what he said was that it became public. The leadership conference, in their notes that they sent out on December 11th, they sent out these notes and it included this information and this story. Obviously, that story then became the news. And right and of course he didn't name any names, so at that point we as fans are still trying to figure out, but a lot of people were suspecting different players. The very next or I guess later that night, I would say, some media outlets reported that it was Geo Random. That was this the topic of Greg Burhalter's comments. <laughs> That's when the whirlwind kind of started. but what we don't know is that at that time, Danielle Reyna, who is a former women's national team player and also Gio's mom, she calls Ernie Stewart, and and it's unclear whether uh, she and Claudio did it, but she admits that she called Ernie Stewart and tells him about an incident involving Greg Berhalter and his then-girlfriend now-wife Rosalyn from 1991. And in this incident, it was a a scene where they both were in college. They all went to UNC together. Uh, they were out drinking, and Greg and Rosalind get into a fight. And somewhere in this midst, Greg kicks Rosalind in the legs. A domestic violence incident. Now, this had been talk. This had not been disclosed at, at least at this point to U.S. Soccer until Danielle Reyna calls Ernie Stewart on December 11th. In response to that, US Soccer starts an internal investigation looking into the incident between Greg and Rosalind. Of course, we don't know what's going on at this point. The next day is December 12th, and at that point, we all we know is that Gio was the player that was almost sent home from the World Cup for acting out. Gio confirms that Greg was talking about him, that he had that he was the player that, you know, was told to get it together that, you know, whatever. So Geo confirms that he is the guy that Greg was talking about. So now the public focus is on this, GeoGate. And we even summed that up at starswithstripesse.com. There's a lot involved, even to that point. But we don't know anything else that's going on in the public eye. We go through Christmas. We get to New Year. And on December 31st at 11.59 p.m., Greg Berhalter's contract with U.S. Soccer officially expired. And the U.S. Men's National Team officially had a coach that was out of contract. Now, that was, now we flashed into January 1st and most people were asking, hey, what's the story with Greg Berhalter? Is he coming back? Is he not be interviewing other players? What's the deal? And there's nothing from U.S. Soccer. And at that point, a lot of people were saying, why aren't they saying anything? Well, we found out on January 2nd why they weren't saying anything. And that was because Greg Burhalter, who at that point formed a Twitter account. He didn't have Twitter at that point, but he formed a Twitter account to release a statement, a joint statement with him and his now wife, Rosalind, that outed him about the story that Daniel shared, Daniel Renner shared with us soccer. He gives some details as to how this transpired. He said that he, You know, he kicked Rosalind in the legs that it was uh, something that he immediately regretted. She wanted nothing to do with him for several months. And he went to counseling on his own. He went to, you know, do the things that he needed to do to become a better person. And it was Rosalind who, seven months later, after talking to her family and her friends, of which Danielle was one of them, she... Decided to take him back. And since then, that was in 1981. Since then, they've been married 25 years. They have four kids and nothing of this sort has uh, this sort of incident has reoccurred. So he said this and U.S. Soccer at that point released a joint a kind of a statement at the same time that said that not only was Greg under investigation for the incident from 1991, but that. In the course of investigating this, they found that multiple people within U.S. soccer were contacted by outside individuals. That's how they quoted it, outside individuals. And they were investigating that as well. So, obviously, U.S. soccer, from the public eye, U.S. soccer knew the, about this story or about this incident. And they were, had been investigating it for, you know, the better part of three weeks. And that's why we hadn't heard any information about who the next coach or was going to be or if Greg was going to be retained. And the question at that point on everyone's minds was, who 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 dimed out the story? Well, the next day, January 3rd, we find out that it was Claudio and Danielle Reyna who had been the people to, quote, try and take Berhalter down with this particular story. And. They revealed Danielle Reyna put out a statement, Claudio put out a separate statement. Kind of confirming what Danielle was saying. Danielle basically said that she was, you know, upset that Gio wasn't getting time at the World Cup, and when she heard Greg's comments come out on December eleventh, she, she decided to let U.S. Soccer know about this incident from nineteen ninety one. Now, it, Greg in his statement says that he had told some friends, he had told family about the incident, kind of owned up to it in a way, and. Of course, Danielle would have been one of those people. Presumably, Claudio might have been one of those people because this story is this is where the layers begin. Uh, as many of you have now know, uh, Danielle Reyna and Rosalind Burhalter were college roommates and teammates and best friends. Greg Burhalter and Claudia Reyna were not only U.S. men's national team teammates; they were high school teammates. They were middle school teammates. Greg Berhalter's club soccer coach was Claudia Reyna's dad. These two families have been best friends for about 30 years. I mean, their kids, I mean, Greg Berhalter and Claudia Reyna were the best men at each other's weddings. You know, Greg has known Gio his entire life. And for it to come to a resolution, it's clear that this was used to try and get Greg Burhalter out of the U.S. soccer men's national team head coach position. And that's where the story just, you know, obviously blew up. It became, you know, Hatfields, and McCoys, whatever you want to call it. But it was a, a serious just, wow. Like, it's hard to explain what this whole thing was. And again, it started with, Geo being told that he was going to have a limited role at the World Cup. Now, I want to get to like what I think. And obviously, these are just my thoughts. If you have thoughts, obviously chime in on the comments of on the post for this on stars and stripes FC dot com. You can email me stars and stripes FC SSFC podcast at gmail dot com. But we need to talk about like where blame kind of is thrown out in this because everyone has some blame in this. Everybody, ex- with the exception of one person, really. Uh, let's start with that. Rosalind Berhalter. I, there's no reason why her name has been thrown in the mud. There's like no reason. She. It was an incident that was between her and Greg, and it was something that she. It was her story to tell, as as Greg Berhalter said. It was her story to tell because it was her. She's the victim here. And her presumed best friend is the one that brought this incident that she was, you know, either trying to forget about or at the same time trying to live through. She brought this to light and didn't give and took the power away from Roslyn to tell that story if she wanted to tell it. It was is very unfortunate that it, that she has been dragged into this and I, I mean i really feel for her because she's had to she's been put on front street essentially because some people don't like her husband being the head coach of a national team that's pretty bad that sucks and i, I think people it lost in all this is that a domestic violence incident happened rosalind Berhalter was the victim of it and now she has to relive it over and over and over because someone decided to bring it into the public and i think that's just it's just sad it's it's unfortunate and it really i really feel bad for her she is the one person of anybody in this whole situation that really did nothing wrong and is now being punished for being a victim and i think that's that's just terrible i think when you talk about geo and some people are going to say geo is probably the person that has the least culpability of everyone involved and i agree because everything that happened for him he's he was 19 years old i mean look i didn't have it put together when i was 19 years old did i feel like i was mature absolutely i felt like i you know approached things with you know with a level headedness but that's just me not everyone does that and geo clearly lost his head when he was told that he wasn't going to play the world cup. And honestly, look guys, when I was 19, I wasn't playing on the world cup. So I don't like, no, I can't imagine what he was thinking because as a 19 year old being selected to represent your nation, you want to do well, you want to do it. I was on an international track team and I wanted to race. I wanted to compete. And when the coach said, Hey, we're going to go in a different direction. Yeah. I was upset, but that also meant for me, I just kind of said, hey, I'm just going to do the races that they want me to do, and I'm going to excel at those. And maybe the next race we have, he'll pick me instead of whoever. He'll, he'll recognize that, hey, I can win with Donald in the lineup. And I think Gio, that's the one thing that he wasn't cognizant of is, hey, sometimes when you're told bad news in your mind, you can react poorly, and, and he did to he admittedly reacted poorly but you can also use it as a learning experience you could say hey look like okay i still need to be ready because just cuz he's saying i have a limited role doesn't mean that role can't change and surely if something happens during the world cup someone goes down uh are you know we're down a couple goals and he recognizes that you know i i can make a difference and he calls my number i need to be ready and i think that's the issue here is that He could have been still ready, even if he was told that he wasn't going to play. He still needs to get himself ready to play. He still needs to be prepared. Stay ready so you don't have to get ready, and you'll always be ready. That's the mantra of life for me. And I think at the end of the day, his mistakes are forgivable because he's now 20 years old. And again, he can be a guy that can factor into this national team program for the next 15 years. He can be in the next. F- almost four World Cups. If he really sticks to it. And stays healthy. But he can use. What happened here at the World Cup. As a learning experience. And I think that's something that he's going to do. I believe in Gio and I know a lot of you out there do. And some people may don't. Or, or, or on the opposite end of the spectrum. They want him to like kind of walk away for a few years but at the end of the day he's the one that has the most to improve from this he can improve he's got the next 20 years of his life to become more mature better react to you know this the hard stuff better and next time he has a conversation with a coach about his role and it's not the way he wants it i think he reacts a little differently i think he i don't think he reacts the same way that he did in this point so i'm i'm willing to give uh, forgive Gio for this and and Put it past him. There's other aspects of this that will involve him, and we'll talk about that after the break. But the next thing is, I, you kind of got to put them together, uh, Claudio and Danielle Rana. Y'all are parents. They they can't act like this. They just can't. This is the World Cup. This is the national team, and all of all of this hoopla stems from the fact that they were upset that their kid was not playing as much as he wanted and you would have hoped that claudio would have gone to Gio and said hey look man at my first world cup i didn't play much either and now i'm revered as one of the top five to ten greatest players that america's ever produced i've featured at three more world cups i was the captain at two of them like he could have used this and said hey son take this as a learning experience, put your head down, keep working, keep grinding. You're going to get there. And I assure you that he's going to call your number and you just need to be ready. He could have done that. Instead, he kind of said, no, my baby's going to play. And Danielle said, my baby's going to play. And they took it out on their best friends. And I think that could have been all avoided. All of this could have been avoided. And I think when it comes to Danielle why would you bring this up? That's your best friend. Why would you bring this up to tear down her husband? Who also presumably is your best friend. That's really messed up. It's really messed up. And this whole situation, clearly the, these two sets of families are no longer friends like that. There was some unforgivable stuff that was done here on both sides, but Geez, you drummed up something that was 31 years old because you were mad at your best friend's husband. And you didn't, you took the power away from your best friend who who's again, it was her power, it was her prerogative to say, yeah, this is something that I want public, or this is something I want to keep private. And this is between me and Greg. And we told you guys because we want you guys to know about what's going what's going on. But your role ends there. And they use that as is just bait, revenge. That's I, I. you can't do that as parents. You can't do that as people. You can't do that. And they both Claudio and Danielle should have been good parents in the sense that they should have not gone to the extremes they did so that their kid can play 20 more minutes at the world cup. It's yes. It's the world cup. Absolutely. And again, I say, this as someone who's never played a world cup. I've attended a couple, but like, I'm never going to play at a world cup. So I'm never going to understand what it's like to be told you're making the team. And also that you're not going to play, but yo, only 11 guys can start 15 guys are on the bench and 15 guys think they can play 15 guys think they can be on the field and make a difference. But the coach can only pick 11 of them to start. And he can only pick at this point, he can only pick five more, six more to come off the bench. And Gio actually played at this world cup. He played more, I think than Claudia Reina did at his first world cup. So there's something to be said there, but there are some guys that came all the way to, went all the way to Qatar and did not play at all. Not a second. And you didn't hear them expressing their frustration. They probably were frustrated, but they they, they didn't express that the way that the reigners did. And it's not a given. It's not it is not guaranteed that you have a start. You are not destined to start and you don't have the privilege, or you don't have basically the right to say I have to start every single time, otherwise I'm gonna be upset. And now what Claudio and Daniel have done is they have kind of messed up Gio's path in the U S men's national team program, at least from the sense of now people, when they think about calling up Gio Reno, where there's Greg Burhalter or another coach, they now have to think about now, what do I got to do to stay within the good graces of the Rainus, And that's unfair. They've took taken that power away as well. And I think it's, they should have approached this a lot differently, and if they do, we're not talking about this situation. They brought some dirty secrets that sh- you know. Whether you what do you think they should have been, whether you think they should have been, and um, in- brought to light, disclosed or not, that's honestly not our call. That again was Rosalind's, but they brought it up because they were so upset that their that their baby wasn't playing that they decided to use it to try and get a coach out of his job. A person that they called their friend. That's, it's really, it's just terrible. Ernie Stewart, Brian McBride. They have some culpability in this because they are U S soccer employees, Th- not just any, They're a sporting director and the GM. And I know they're all friends and I get it right. Like when you're in a position of power, you're still going to talk to your friends, but at a certain point you have to, let your friends understand get, Hey, that's not my call or Hey, like I'm not getting involved in that. And neither should you. That's between Geo and Greg, like, yo, I'm not going to talk to Greg about getting your son out on the, on the field. That's not what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm supposed to be running this whole program. And part of that is to let the coach do his job. And just because Gio doesn't start one game doesn't mean he's, going to not start all the games and just because he said there's going to be a limited role or whatever he put it doesn't mean that that's not going to change that so many things happen at a world cup and we've all seen them so many things happen you you think in 2014 it was it was in the cards for Josie Altador to go down 27 minutes to the first match of the game no absolutely not but you know who was ready Aaron Johansson to step on and and make a difference. He he tried, at least he tried to make a difference. Everyone that Aaron Johansson was not supposed to play a lot in that world cup, but he ended up playing at that world cup because something happened and Gio had to be ready. And Claudio and Danielle had to instill that in him. And they should not have been going around trying to get him on the field by other means. That's just not what you're supposed to be doing as a parent, as a former national team player, as a, as someone who believes in the program, you're not supposed to be doing that. And Ernie and and Brian, hopefully, I, I mean, obviously, I don't know what they did, but you would hope they should have done what they should have done, is say, "Yo, Claudio, we can't talk to you about this. This is not this is not what we're here to do. We're friends, but I can't, I can't, we can't step in for this. This is between this is Greg's job to get our team ready, and part of that may mean that your kid has to sit, and you you as parents just have to accept that. So, it, because at this time also." it feels like Claudio at least felt like he had the power to call two of the top guys in the, in us soccer to express his grievances. And he probably, he wouldn't have done that if he didn't think that they would listen. So they have to draw some lines and draw them very, 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 very thick to make sure that this doesn't happen again. And then finally there's Greg Berhalter, you know, Greg, I think uh, he was in another, Symposium by Harvard Business Review Earlier or later on this week He was asked if he had a chance To do it all again would he have made the comments that he did at the, at the other symposium And he said he probably wouldn't have And yeah that's the right call because he knows that This would have This all stems from him Kind of blabbing about it Even in the sense that he didn't He never gave up any names He did everything he could to protect Geo by you know saying he was hurt Instead of being disciplined by coming up with the circumstances. Without using his name. And part of that was probably. Because he knew him. And he probably thought. Yo I can show some tough love to Gio. Because I know him. And I know. It, he'll know that it's coming from a good spot. And that was, that was clearly not the case. But. Some of you out there. If your friends tell you something. Like yo you're messing up. You're going to listen to him in a, in a different way. Than if a stranger told you. Yo you're messing up. Right. Like if my best friends came to me and said, hey, you know, we need to talk to you like this right here. What you're doing is not right. I would listen to them in a much different way. I would take it in a much different way. And honestly, the best way for me for it to resonate with me is for them. It to be coming from them. And I think. Greg thought he could do that with Geo, But at the end of the day, G- Greg has got to be the coach. He's got to say, hey, this is where I'm going. This is what I need to do. And this is how this is the role that I have for you, and explain it in a way. Now, there's also the the situation with Ricardo Pepe, who said he hung up on him after he was told they didn't make a World Cup. And players, honestly, they gotta be, receive the tough love. It does. It's not personal. It's about hey, I'm trying to get a job done. We're trying to win here, and everyone thinks they can be a part of that, but not everyone can. And Greg had to be a better coach in that regard, and he wasn't. But also, you know, obviously going back to the incident, yo, domestic violence is never okay, never. And I know he made a mistake. He knows he made a mistake back in 1991. He seemingly has grown from that. Like we haven't heard of any incidents involving him in that, that have come approach that. He has learned, he went to counseling when he was 18 years old. I don't know any 18 year olds, that were my, you know, from my area that would willingly go to therapy and counseling to, to write themselves after doing something like that. And it seemed like all had been forgiven and they've lived a great life. Again, they have four kids, but Greg needed to, I don't want to say in a bad way, keep his mouth shut, but he needed to remain silent on this part because most people do not react well when things that are in the locker room leave the locker room. And sometimes you need to do it for different reasons, but it was taken care of in the locker room and he reignited it by bringing it out of the locker room. And I think that's where he messed up. And I think he admits that if he had done it again, he would be able to uh, he he would do it a different way and he would probably wouldn't discuss that. So uh, especially in a way where eventually everyone kind of figured out who was going to be and that it was confirmed who it was. So the there's a lot of issues with everyone, with the exception of Roslyn Berhalter, at how this played out. And hopefully this recap and, you know, will help kind of everyone form their own opinions about who they think is at fault, what they think should happen, what they thought should have happened. But these are, you know, kind of my thoughts on the whole situation. It's there's still so many layers that we didn't even get to discuss, but I think that is the the long and short of what I think about the Burhalter reina scandal. So now that all of this has happened, what's next for U.S. soccer and the U.S. men's national team coaching hire? We'll talk about some of the options after a quick break. Stay tuned. right, we are back. We've taken a break. And now that we've talked about everything that's happened over the last month, it's time to shift to the process of hiring a coach. Because as of right now, we do have a temporary head coach. His name is Anthony Hudson. And he will be assuming control of the team for the friendlies against Serbia on the 25th and against Colombia on the 28th. We will probably get a roster for those at some point this week. But the issue with all of this is you know again all of this occurs while you know Greg berhalter is still a candidate to be retained as U.S men's national team head coach he is under investigation and while that investigation is happening he they're going to try and look at other options and you know consider all these things but if the if it all ends they said that he would again be interviewed as part of this process of hiring a coach. Now, leaving Greg Berhalter aside, there are still plenty of candidates out there, and some of them are under contract, some of them are not, but there are some options for U.S. soccer to go in. Now, we did a kind of a poll, a vote, over at starsandstripesfc.com. We asked you to weigh in on who you thought should be the next head coach as we lead into the new World Cup cycle. And there was a lot of people who voted. There's obviously a lot of options out there. Jesse Marsh was the guy who commandeered the most votes, uh, followed by Roberto Martinez, Joachim Lowe, and Steve Chirondolo. Also, Jose Mourinho coming in to round out the top five. But of some of these candidates, I mean, Jesse Marsh, obviously, is the head of Leeds right now. Roberto Martinez will take over at Portugal. And Didier Deschamps uh, is re up with France through 2026. Uh, Steve Trendolo at LAFC, Jose Mourinho at Roma. So there's a lot of guys who are in different positions already, but that doesn't mean that U.S. Soccer, if if they want to take over as U.S. Soccer head coach, there's, there's nothing stopping these guys from working out whatever deal they need to, to get out of their current contracts to come over to U.S. Soccer. So I'm not necessarily worried about that. If they have the guy, they can go get the guy and they have the cash to do it. But, there was one name that was floated around late last week. That was interesting. His name is Zinedine Zidane. And it was rumored just yesterday that he was approached by U.S. soccer to gauge interest in whether he would want to interview for the job. Now he has basically gone on record saying, that his only desire is to coach the France national team. And now that can't be possible at least through 2026 because they resigned Didier Deschamps after winning a world cup and then also getting to the final here in 2022. So when it comes to Zidane, he's basically saying I'm going to wait for the job that I want. And I don't mind waiting another three and a half years to do it. So he turned down. At least an approach by U.S. Soccer. Now, U.S. Soccer did not offer him the job. A lot of people were, con- were were saying or quoting and saying that he was offered the job. That is not true. He was probably approached through his agent about the job and saying, "Hey, are you interested in talking about it?" and th- and it was probably a polite decline of, "No, we're 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 looking to you know wait for the France job." He also uh, rejected, you know, at least uh, he also uh, had advances from Portugal and from Brazil, um, but he has said that he's going to wait for the France job. He also has talked about the fact that he only speaks French and Spanish fluently and that he did not want to take over a club or a national team where he would have to coach his guys through a translator. And I think that's understandable, but also he's in a position, man. He he coached Real Madrid to 3 Champions Leagues in a row. He's the only coach to ever do that. So he doesn't have to he does he he can wait on whatever he wants to do. But I think it says something that we are calling Zidane to say, hey, you interested? That's better than we did last time, right? Like most people were upset at the fact that there were so many big name, high profile coaches on the market last time. And we didn't contact them and we didn't talk to them and we didn't say, hey, come in for an interview. Well, now people are upset that we went after Zidane or at least called him. I'm not upset at that. It shows me that they're willing to think outside the box and maybe think about some high profile candidates. And again, these high profile candidates may not be interested, but you miss 100% of the shots you don't take, Wayne Gretzky, Michael Scott, right? Like the Don can't say no if we don't call him. And that's what happened. He, we called, he said, I'm, I'm, I'm good where I'm at. And we said, cool. Now, on to the next one. But they need to go after some of these guys. They need to call them because maybe one of them will say yes. Maybe one of them will say, hey, tell me more. You never know until you contact them. And I think some of these guys that are on the market, again, a low. Uh, Mourinho might be interested. That's kind of a dicey thing. I, I personally wouldn't want Mourinho, but I know some people that do. Uh, Thierry Henry, Patrick Vieira, Marcelo Bielsa, I know is possibly going to Uruguay. Uh, Pochettino. Uh, you know, these guys and there's some other ones out there that are possible candidates, but you never know until you try. And I think us soccer needs to cast a wide net, talk to a lot of people and then figure out what it is they want from this program over the next three to three and a half years. Do they want to splash higher? Who's going to, whenever that name is announced, casual fans are like, Oh damn, we got them. That's awesome. We're not playing around for the World Cup because, yes, we're co hosting the World Cup in three and a half years. So, whatever coach we get, and you know, Pellegrino Matarazzo is a guy who has European experience. He's an American, also out of contract. So, he might be available. Maybe it's a, that kind of guy. Maybe we're looking in MLS to a Brian Spencer or a Jim Curtin, or maybe they're waiting to see if they can continue with Greg Burhalter. Now, I think one thing that everyone needs to uh, all these candidates will have to deal with is the dynamic of the team and i i think most of us thought that during the world cup you know they talked a lot about the camaraderie between the team and everyone thought that was cool but that seems to be in peril right now because what do you do with gio rana and that's a it's a very valid question is it's on it's, un, it's unfair in his part that he has to be in the center of this but if it's greg berhalter that comes back then do, does geo come back to the team while he's there we've seen guys on other national teams kind of exile themselves because a coach was the coach and some guys don't come back or they it takes a long time and then all of a sudden like the coach gets fired and then they rejoin the team so what happens with geo if greg gets hired will he call him in what will his teammates do if Gio Rana gets called into a camp by any coach, are they going to have conversations? Cause I'm sure they will about how this dynamic needs to continue and how the camaraderie that they had presumably built during the world cup needs to continue. And that outside influences, including parents cannot get involved in that. And again, that may not be on on Gio and I don't, we don't know how much of all of this that Gio knew about, but he clearly told his parents that he wasn't going to play a lot of the world cup. And that's what stemmed all of this. And now we have a situation where he has to worry whenever he does get called into a camp. If Greg is not retained, no matter what you thought of his performance at the world cup or his performance as a head coach, the problem is, is that it will be tied to this investigation. It will be tied to this scandal. And people will say, you didn't bring him back because you basically chose Gio Reyna over over him. If Greg comes back, you're choosing Greg over Gio. And that's an unfortunate situation that U.S. soccer is in. And that's an unfortunate situation that we have to kind of contend with as fans for the next three and a half years, if it is Greg Berhalter. If it's some other coach, again, still the dynamic of whenever Gio gets called in, this will come back up, especially the first time he gets recalled. So that kind of throws a a monkey wrench into the program when it comes to hiring the next coach or at least evaluating the program, if we want to call it that. So it'll be interesting to see what U.S. soccer does, who they approach, who they talk to, who they bring in for interviews, how this investigation goes about, because it's really important to have a coach in place by the time Nations League resumes in March that's when we start getting into the competitive part of our schedule for the year, nation's league, nation's league finals, Gold cup. We want to have a coach in by that because we want to start building the, the program to the specifications of what that particular coach will want for the next three and a half years. Again, as we prepare to host and these opportunities are going to come quick and fast and we need to be ready for them. We cannot have a lost year like we did in 2018 where we kind of, tried to tread water. We can't do that. We need to be swimming fast. And that means that this coaching search is going to be the most important thing that U.S. soccer will have on its docket for the next couple of months. So we'll see what happens. But that will do it for episode 91 of the Stars and Stripes FC podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Again, if you have questions about the World Cup saga topic suggestions questions about the coach send them to ssfcpodcast at gmail.com we will come back at some point later this week but until then take care